0: Hello, this is Rob Carmichael and welcome to another Mainly Matters podcast featuring one of our top leaders in the greater Bangor area, actually throughout the state of Maine. Today, my guest is Sean Gagan and I'm really pleased to have Sean with us. He's the director of public safety for the town of Bucksport and we're going to talk about uh, Sean's longtime career in law enforcement, but also uh, what I want to highlight is something that I think is really important. It's been the theme of many of my podcasts, and it's about leadership. And in this case, we're going to talk about Sean's leadership throughout his career, not just in the law enforcement role and in his many roles that he's played there, but also as a as a really uh, great member of the community, the greater Bucksport com- community, He's been involved in a lot of a uh, lot of organizations throughout the state. Number of organizations throughout the state. We'll talk about that aspect of leadership as well. So, uh, welcome to Mainly Matters, Sean. Oh, thanks for having me, Rob. Great to have you here. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, as I as I let off with, you've been in in law enforcement for many years. Let's start with. I know you're a a bangor ram uh, tell me a little bit about uh, you you went to bangor high it, it played uh, some uh, some sports there i did
1: yeah i'm um, originally
0: from from bangor born and and grew up in bangor
1: um attended bangor school system up through including bangor high school <clears throat> um was a three sport athlete in junior high and then once i got to high school i concentrated on the weight room and of course for bangor football
0: um, which I I played there. So. And your coach was uh, Gabby Price, wasn't he? That's correct. And I'm sure Gabby had a had a great uh, uh, great influence on your your uh, leadership uh, and and your potential as a leader down the road. I yeah, talk a little bit did. about what he was like yeah. in football.
1: Um, he was he was very intense. Um, he did have a, a huge impact on me and my life and and what I've done and where I've gotten to, and as a matter of fact, I, I still talk to him this day. We talk quite often, really, and I'm um, sure we're going to talk a little bit, as you said, about my football and my leadership there and the coaching change over this year, and I actually spoke with him before I went for the interview for that, and we're, we're pretty close, actually, and we talk quite a bit. So um, to play football for him was very intense. Um, his expectations were very high. Um, you really had to be committed in the offseason. You had to work hard. And, and you knew once we hit the field and, and double sessions um, that it was all business. And he he was, re- as I said, very intense, a great coach, um, a great leader. I think a lot of uh, almost 100 percent of our team, which back then was 60 plus guys, to really, really respected him. Um and he was not only there for you on the field, um, but he was there for you off the field whenever you needed. He's more like a, a fatherly figure to a lot of kids. And um I know he was just inducted into the Hall of Fame there and that was much um for him that was well deserved for sure. Um he's been in it a number of years, but he he's someone that truly I looked I looked up to then and I still look up to and I he's kind of a mentor today
0: and we talk he's sort of a legend a in the community isn't he he's uh he's, oh, got he certainly a great is. reputation yeah well, well I'm certainly. sure he had a lot to do with uh, again going into a role uh law enforcement there's uh, a great leadership aspect in in law enforcement uh, what what led you to uh what did you do a- after high school did you go right into the police force or tell me a little bit about your next uh, steps after high school
1: well as I said I was I was born and raised in the city of Bangor. Um, I had two parents that were um, career school teachers of 30 plus years in the Bangor school system. And when I graduated from Bangor High School, I went to the University of Maine and I started out in education there because I wanted to be a teacher. Um, It was something that really sparked my interest. And I went for a semester or two in the education program there and for some reason, right in the middle of it, I had some friends from Bangor High School I played football with that got into law enforcement. Um, actually, one of them that influenced me was in Bucksport part-time at the time we were in college, and and I switched over my major to uh, criminal justice and actually graduated later on with a degree in criminal justice. So that's how it really all come about was wanted to be a teacher, and to this day, I actually am a teacher because it's... Is something I followed up on um, with the state of Maine, and I'm a certified methods of instruction instructor for the state of Maine and the Maine Criminal Justice Academy, for which I actually teach uh, use of force, um, simunitions, and the one that I teach a lot now, since I've switched jobs over the last 34 years, is stress management and law enforcement. So, something I truly enjoy, so I kind of, I got to to cover both areas and, and get into law enforcement and really liked it. And I still get to teach. So.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting I, when we talk to leaders and in, in coaches and we, and as you know, in, in leadership, the concept of coaching your employees, uh, obviously in sports, co- coaching your teams, but coaching is a big part of it. Coaching is, is, is teaching. And uh, it is interesting that you, you've been able to combine both of those in, in your passion throughout your professional career. so uh, that's great. and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into uh, the other part of your your community involvement, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning the, in in the uh, in the football arena, some of those other things. and you you've also been, so you started in law enforcement. did you start right in Bucksport as a patrolman?
1: I did. I graduated from the University of Maine in that summer. Um, I ended up down in Bucksport for an interview um and had the interview and started that summer actually walking main street in the town of Bucksborough handing out parking tickets um and it was actually dirt because they were reconstructing it back in 1989 and i walked main street that whole summer and that following year they added a patrol position um to the patrol force. And I interviewed for that and I was lucky enough to get that. And I've, I've been there 34 years later. Here I am. So. Well,
0: what is it? What is it like? A lot of people probably don't realize what the, what the life of a patrolman early on in the career is like. Can you talk a little bit about that? The routine, they, obviously some ship work I would think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very, very demanding. Um, I'll talk about a little bit more a little later, but it's changed a lot, obviously in 30 years, but um, what we do for a job, but the the job itself was very, very demanding uh, nights, weekends, holidays, not a lot of time with your family. Um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart, Kimberly, and she's been a saint because she's been beside me this whole time. And I, the first 12 years of my career um i worked on the road uh, after i got full time i went to the main criminal justice academy that was a, a three-month program at the time um 12 weeks and it was like military boot camp and you come home on the weekends and stuff and i actually learned a lot there about discipline and leadership um, get off there and then like you said once you, you get back you're in the real world and um your job is to protect the citizens and and protect yourself so you go home at night, and I um, worked at shift work for almost 12 years, and that was rough. Um, it was rough on a family. I have two boys now that um, actually one of them I didn't see grow up that much, which is Jonathan, um, because I did work a lot of nights, weekends, and <laughs> when I started, I remember that and I think I've still got the paperwork. That I started out as a reserve patrolman, on the road for like $5.25 an hour. <laughs> um, and so we we had bought a mobile home in Bucksport. We got Kim to move down here, and we got married in 91. And I remembered the shift work and the nights and living in a mobile home and having to work some overtime and stuff when I could get it. To make the trailer payment and all that stuff and it just you know with a little one in the in the trailer and stuff it was hard to sleep so it's very demanding for sure um and it's still very demanding but it's a different demand nowadays uh the crime that we're actually dealing with and stuff and the drugs and the type of drugs and the hallucinations and the way people think and don't know what they're doing is it's a, it's a dangerous job. Well, let's sure. see yeah let's let's ahead.
0: jump into that. That was one, yeah. one of the questions I was going to ask. Is you if you progress through the your career as a patrolman and up until the point we'll talk about your promotion to chief and then public safety director in a little bit. But what's changed over the years and what say now from from when you first started that what you're dealing with out there is uh, the crimes. Are the
1: same, of course, but the aspect of the people that we're dealing with and the mindset and the mental illness that we're dealing with is day and night from what we used to deal with. And I can't explain why, but I think that that the mental illness is something in the near future that this not just this state, but the country is going to have to deal with for sure um, to get more beds, uh, more places for treatment, things of that nature. But The crimes are the same, but the thinking of the the people and the mindset of the people, depending on the mental illness or the drugs, and everyone knows the drug overdoses are through the roof now. They're the highest they've ever been in the country, and the drugs that people are taking um, and the effects that they have on the people are much, much different from when I started. When I first started, you had alcohol and marijuana, um, now we're setting up meth labs with the anti- antifreeze and all this stuff that they're putting into their body and fentanyl and things. That I remember when bath salts come out, we never had any of that 30-some years ago when I was on the road. It was alcohol, cocaine, or mm-hmm. marijuana. Um, the pills were really a thing. They, uh, but And I think that the effects of these drugs, and along with the mental illness of, of a lot of people, unfortunately, is just changing the way that, that we do business because the crimes are the same, but the way people are committing them and, and when we deal with them, their mindset is sometimes not there. I remember when salts first came out and the first guy that I dealt with with salts down at the community pharmacy was, it was a scary moment. Right? Mm-hmm. To say, you know, any any law enforcement officer to say that you don't get scared from time to time is Must be fibbing because we're human. Um, we just we pick a profession that's very dangerous. But I remember that day and thinking, you know, starting to change, and that was many, many, many years ago. So like I said, the crimes are the same, but the people and the mindset is what's different now. And
0: And a lot of people thinking a lot of people might be under the assumption that you know Bucksport's a small town, sleepy town, this area this area. Yeah, You know, not a lot of major crimes and, and all of that sort of thing. But can you dispel some of those myths? I mean, we maybe we don't have the the types of crimes that are on the, the national news every day, but can you talk a little bit about the types of things that are happening in our area?
1: Yeah, I mean, Bucks is is like every other town or city. Um, I've, I've been with the main chiefs of police who we'll talk about in a bit and the crimes that we're doing, we're we're dealing with, and like Portland and the city of Bangor, are dealing with, are are the same. They're just on a different nature of the amount of crime that we deal with. Um, the you know we have dealt with everything from murder to anything else that you, that you talk about. I mean, we've had them. It, um, so we are we're dealing with a lot of the things that the big cities are dealing with. We don't we don't have as many people. Um, to deal with it, but we don't have as many of those types of crimes, fortunately. But we do have those crimes, and and everyone really has those crimes around the state. So we're, we're no different than anywhere else, I can tell you that. And I don't think that any community um, is any different at this point. I really don't.
0: And I would think that in, in some ways these rural com- communities might attract uh, some elements criminal elements because they think that, oh, it's a sleepy area. I'm not going to get caught. Uh, maybe I can do my thing up here easier. Than- yeah, they
1: they do. And and uh, for many years, I was just analyzing and watching crime and, and especially drugs. And it was going all, all around us. We were like in the middle of the circle. And I kept watching and watching it and it zoned in on us. And now, I mean, it's. It's on the news and stuff we've had. We had 15 felony arrests in two weeks on drugs two months ago. Um, a lot of that's contributed to the new K-9, you know, we got. Um, it's doing a, a great job. Um, but it's, it's no different here. And in the, in the sleepy town aspect, I think you're right. Because these aren't, it's not your local people anymore. These are people from all over the country. Literally all over the country and, and other countries at this point. To be honest with you,
0: and, and you mentioned you mentioned Kim, your spouse, uh, supportive. Uh, that has to be critical to you being able to do your job effectively. And I'm sure uh, when you go out the door each day, she she probably uh, you know she probably has a little bit of a, a hesitance and fear that you know something could happen. I I don't know. How does that? How do you talk about that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't really discuss work at home that much um because i don't want her to to know really Mm -hmm. some days what we are doing out there because we don't advertise everything and we really don't but you know she she's been a saint i'm sure that that she wonders you know all the time basically every day that i go to work um whether i'm coming home and she isn't she's Kind of hinted at that, um, and we've talked about it a lot more lately after 34 years of, you know, when is enough enough? Um, it's been a great career, and, and I want to finish the career on a positive note. So we've been discussing that more and more, and I'm sure that she's thought about it a lot, but really hasn't said much to me. But And it takes a unique person, I can tell you that, that the divorce rate in this career is through the roof. Um, it's sixty or seventy percent, or something of that range, of divorce rates for for law enforcement, um, and for us to be married thirty two years in August is just incredible. It's she's certainly
0: she's a, a great, testament. She's a great lady. Yeah, it sure <laughs> she is. She really is. Well, when you and you look at the statistics, and I actually looked at a uh, a few uh, the last few years, and you know, the, uh, the the number of deaths on in the line of duty, and of course they they include. Not just gunfire deaths, but people that maybe are in the line of duty and have heart attacks or things like that. But even in even in uh, in 2022 nationally, there were uh, 74 deaths. Uh, Six, I'm sorry, 60 deaths um, by gunfire, uh, right. for police officers nationally in the line of duty. And yeah. a sort. Obviously, there are other accidents and things like that that add to. Uh, the number, but uh, you know, every every day somebody's putting their life on the line, and I think sometimes we we do tend to take that for granted. And, and you know, I'm I'm happy over the last few years. There's been obviously there's been a lot of controversy and a lot of I think misinformation in some areas, but I think the support for law enforcement, the support for military, uh, seems to be has increased over the last few years. I think people are taking the time to say thank you. I, I, have you experienced that?
1: Yeah, especially in town. We we have a lot of support in town. We really do. Um, I've been very fortunate to work here as long as I have. And, and the town themselves and the citizens have been very supportive, not only of pol- police department, but public safety in general. So... Um yes we do from time to time have people stop in from other states and stuff I just had one officer from Pennsylvania during a parade we had stop right in the middle of the road and talk to me about what a nice town we had and thank you and stuff like that so it, it is and and the rate of death is is high and you don't you don't really hear about that it's not something that's advertised I'm not sure that it's something that should be advertised but it's certainly something that makes you really think I mean the first few years of my career I I lost a good friend Jeff Parola Um, and at that time I really thought you know this is real Mm -hmm. when you're young and you're 20 years old and you're out in a police car and you're doing something that you truly love and want to do you don't think of that but that really hit the home and i think that that was my turning point early was that you know i'm in it to win it Mm -hmm. i set goal i set goals right from the beginning and i would highly emphasize that to younger people to set your goals up front um and try to achieve your goals as you move forward because you could have something to work towards so that that was a real impact and we've had a few unfortunately um guys that i've gone to college with um that have passed away to heart attacks like you said uh deputy gross was killed in a car accident a few years back um so it is real and it's something you have to think about every day that you leave for work so
0: and i think yeah. as, as, as citizens as you know i i was on the town council for a while and i I always advocated for keeping and staffing the police force, the fire department uh, at it, as it, as it was, or even, even larger. Uh, I know there were times where people were coming in saying, why are you so large? What, you know, this town is is too small to have a police force or a fire uh, EMS force this large. Uh, But you guys are there when we need you. And, it's uh, as you say it, can you talk a little bit about that before we get into your your promotion to chief? Talk about the staffing that you've seen over the years and the need for the type of staffing that you have now.
1: Yeah, the step when I started in 89, I was what was called the fifth patrol position. They had actually four patrol positions in 1989. they added one for a fifth and I was the number five. Um, now we have, I believe it's nine or ten. Um, so we've almost doubled in in 30 years, um, on the fire side, um, they had, you know, two to four. Now we're going to be up to nine or 10. So everything in the last 30 years. And so a lot of that has changed actually, um, since we went to the public safety model and it really has to do with like, we're talking about the, the number of calls and the calls for service that we have. I mean, we have 50, was it, 5,000 people in town, but our ambulance service, rescue, and fire, we service over 8,000 people because we have uh, Verona and all for ambulance and Bucksport. So that ambulance service itself is, is averaging 1,500-plus runs a year. Um, How much if you do that out this, what, four or five a day or whatever it is, but it's 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 very, very busy. So in order to staff that, I mean, Those calls themselves are very, very stressful. Um, Could be anything from a young kid and infant to, you know, someone who's 95 years old and everything in between. Mm -hmm. So, in order to do that and do it effectively and sufficiently for the town and the employees, you're going to have enough people to do that. You just do. And what we found recently is that schedules and stuff and the number of people we have just wasn't cutting it the only way to to really do it was to add people or, or cut back service and people don't want to cut back service when they call for a police officer or an ambulance especially in town as you as you know they want it now um and in order to do that and staff it i mean if you've only got two firefighters for instance and one police officer on duty You could get backed up three or four calls on the police side and you get one ambulance run. You could have a driver and someone in the back and you have no one in the station with two ambulances sitting there for the next call. So what's the next call? So the town has done done very well with the way they've been um, aggressive and progressing forward slowly but surely um, to where we've tried everything under the sun. We didn't just jump from. You know the ground to the clouds we tried everything in between with changing schedules getting a few more people doing per diem things using reserve police officers things of that nature and found that it worked for a while but it just we couldn't keep up with it um, and a lot of people will say you know oh you see a guy sitting down by his shop and save and you see firefighters out cooking dinner well it I've always used this and I mean, that's a slow day in in the line of public safety is a good day for everybody. Mm-hmm. It just is. It really is. And people don't think that way because they're paying for a service, but you know, when they get time to, to sit, it's not a bad thing.
0: So well, you think about it, uh, you know, from the same concept of, of uh, paying insurance, paying insurance, you, you know, it, right. if, it's, you don't want to have to use that insurance, but it's there. You may complain about the payment, but it's there when, exactly when, when, you, you, when need you need it. it, when you need it. Right. So <laughs> you, uh, when you talked about setting goals, was, was one of your goals to be the police chief of Bucksport?
1: It was, I actually remember it well, um, in 89, when I had my interview with the chief in the old station, um, he said, What what's your major goal with this, this whole thing. And I was 20 years old, fresh out of college, 2021. And I said, sir, I said, someday I want your job. And I remember that to this day and really set a goal back then to be the, be a chief of police somewhere. I, I wasn't quite certain at that point it would be in Bucksport. Um, um, very fortunate to have worked here as long as I have and the town has been great to me and I'm, I'm glad it worked out that way. But it's, from what I'm told is it's really unheard of to stay at one place in a profession like this for over three decades is to me, it, it seems like it's normal to other people. They say, Sean, that's not normal. It's great. And it's unheard of. So right. I did set a goal that day and I, I remember him, that day actually starting to take his badge off it was chief gray and starting to take his badge off and i said so i didn't know him from a hole in the ground i said sir what are you doing He said, well you can start today i said well why don't i why don't i start down on main street with the parking tickets and we'll talk about that later i said (laughs) i said i don't want to do that today so when he, he laughed and put his badge back on so I did from day one.
0: I I set that goal and. Well, what what sort of thing? I, I'm thinking about my career in the military, and I I didn't. I can be honest and say I didn't set a goal. And say I want to be a general officer, but what I did say to myself is that I'm going to do every job that I'm assigned, the best that I very that I possibly can. I'm going right. to take all the hard stuff. I'm going to do the things that maybe people don't want to do, whether it's a school that we need to send somebody to or whatever. What sorts of things did you do to prepare yourself or to try to put you in a position so you could be the chief?
1: Um, I took every, every bit of training, like you said, that I could get. And um, one thing that I remember right off the bat was taking a Um, the methods of instruction class and the teaching class to get certified as a state instructor through the the criminal justice academy because i said earlier that's something i really really wanted to do could kind of do both in in a different profession the other thing that i did is actually took a field training officers course which was another intense course to train all the incoming young patrolmen um as to how, how to do the job really. And at the time we didn't have a fee. We had what we called the field training program, but it was just kind of pieces of paper on a desk type thing. So I, I took the initiative and I wrote the book and I wrote the, and we use it today, 30 years later, we've, we've updated it as we moved along, but I actually wrote the the original field training book for the Bucksville Police Department 30 plus years ago. So I just started to take a little initiative and those aspects, um, and as I said earlier, worked everything I could, and <clears throat> took every class that I could, whether it was leadership classes or or instructing classes or any classes that had to do with patrol supervision type things I, I had taken um, just to move forward because I could see down the line at that point we had a chief and a lieutenant at the time, so over twelve years. I took everything that I could and just kept on building my resume and building it and building it. And after 12 years, the lieutenant got done and they changed the position to a detective sergeant's position because we didn't we had crime was changing at the time, as I said earlier. And we had a part time detective that could only do it a few days a week. So they wanted to put it to a full time position. So um, I put in for that. And that was a second command position because the lieutenant got done at the time. and. So at that point, I became the supervisor of all the patrol division, did all the major cases, um, and and worked the road with the guys. And I did that for eight years. During that time, I actually took a lot of leadership classes. And I actually I took a uh, new chiefs and sheriffs seminar, um, got those things done because I knew coming down the road that the, the chief would be retiring um, so I got every class that I I really could, as far as leadership and supervision and things of that nature, go through the academy. Um, and then when the chief was going to retire, um, I put in for that job, and I didn't realize how big it, it would really be, to be honest with you, because I knew what the job was, but I didn't. There was I was told anyway, there were 33 resumes from Bucksport to Alaska. And I had worked 20 years at that point with with the department, and I remember coming home and telling Kimberly to call a realtor. And she said, "For what?" And I said, "Well, I said, and I told, her, I said, I'm, I'm here and there's like 33 resumes from Bucksport to Alaska, and I'm not sure that I have a chance." She said, "Well, why don't you why don't you see?" She said, "You go in there and be yourself in the interview, and if they want you, they'll take you, and if they don't, we'll leave." So. I was fortunate enough. I remember the last interview um, in the upstairs office there with six or seven people. um, And it went on for an hour and 40 minutes, I think. And it was very intense. And leaving there, I I felt okay, but I didn't feel great, um, of course. But I I did the best that I could do. And fortunately, at the time, uh, Roger Raymond, who was the town manager, called me down that week and offered me the job. And I've done that. I did that for. 10 years before we switched to what we're doing now. so
0: And I, and I think, you know, that the describing uh, what you did in, in route to that position is, is a lesson. I think you've probably told not only your kids, but those kids that you've coached, I've told my children the same sort of thing is sometimes you can't control what's going to happen down the road. All you can do is right. set yourself up for opportunities and be able to take advantage of those opportunities. And sometimes I think, people miss that or young people may miss that they want they want it to happen now yeah they don't realize Overnight. yeah yeah
1: it, it takes a long time i mean it, 12 years and eight years and then 10 years and yeah, I, I, I traveled wherever i could i traveled to connecticut the fbi law enforcement executive development classes things of that nature for many many years to to actually have those certificates when I needed them. So
0: and so you you get promoted to chief, and and what's the most surprising thing about the job after a few weeks or a few months, and uh, as the as the guy now, as the as the guy in charge?
1: Yeah, I can tell you, I remember day one um, because everyone was under the impression, gee, you know, you've been with with Chief Gray for. Uh, eight years you were here for 12 years on the road with him before then and you know you were a second command for the eight years and you helped do the job and I, I'll never forget the first day I sat down in his office and he wasn't there and the phone rang and I'll never forget this and there was a lady on the phone about a horse in the road <laughs> of all things a horse and she chewed me from one end to the other about a horse in the road, and I was thinking, "Oh, geez, you know." I so I took care of it. And I said, well, "We're, we're going to get up there and I will get it taken care of and stuff." I remember hanging up the phone, looking around and saying, "You're the only one in this room, and this is just this is just the beginning, and you got no one to go next door to because there's nobody home."
0: So what a way to yeah, start! It was a way to start. <laughs> two two meets one end to the other a, a horse in the road. That's, yeah, I'm well, to get it. Well, you know, I, I teach a course at the credit union now. We, one of our courses we teach is called From Peer to Supervisor. And the, the purpose of the course is when people are promoted from within their peers and now they're the supervisor. Sometimes it's challenging because, you know, they're in a different role, but maybe they've been friends and buddies. And did that – was that a challenge for you at all when you were promoted from within?
1: Well, see, that's the thing, too, that um, they really – Pounded me on in the interview for for a long time that you know you're so close to these people and now you're going to be the the leader of this entire program and how are you going to do it? We spent a lot of time in that interview. With me explaining, you know, I had good friends that I'd worked with on the road for many, many years at the at the time. And and I I remember explaining to them that, you know, you just you really have to change gears. And if you're gonna commit to something, you gotta know that you can do it and you gotta do it and you gotta set friendship aside from from business. And and that's what I've done since day one. And the, I was very fortunate to have the people working for me that I had working for me because they all knew that and I sat down with every one of them at the beginning and said, you know, times are changing, things are changing, positions are changing, and this is the way it is. We're friends, but you have a job to do. I have a job to do. And, and I always use the philosophy with them right from the get-go, and I, and I still to this day use it that, you know, we will make decisions together. And if we make decisions together and they're wrong – then I will go down with the ship with you. I will never, never jump off the ship and, and leave you stranded. Just will not happen. On the other hand, if you make decisions on your own, I mean, we all have to live with our decisions. I've got a job to do. I'm gonna sit on this side of the desk. You can, you're gonna you're gonna sit on that side of the desk. It's gonna be very uncomfortable for all of us, and we'll get through it. So mm-hmm. I've used that philosophy since day one, and I think they've all respected it a lot and it's worked very really well. So
0: well in in along your you, during your time as the chief you you won a, a couple of awards right one was a life saving award or or a, yeah or some, uh,
1: yeah I, I i had a <laughs> i don't really like to to boast about these things but you asked, so we'll talk about yeah. it um i did have a bravery award where i actually turned on a vehicle one day and it crashed and went through the tops of the trees upside down and car caught on fire and I, I saved a guy from burning up in one vehicle and then since then i've had a couple more life-saving awards since then so i've got three in the third and
0: i know you're i know you're a humble guy but i think those sorts of things you know we we need to make sure our folks in the community recognize and realize that these are parts of of what you I mean, what you've done and what you deal with on a daily basis and so many others as well uh, in, yeah in, and in i
1: the- i agree with you there. i don't really like to talk about it but i agree with you and you've also when my, when my people get them i i really boast yeah <laughs> for sure that's my job so
0: absolutely we are we definitely do, uh, take care of our folks that way that's right yeah and you've you've been the uh the was it the president of the state chiefs of police association the chairman yes in, in
1: 2017 i was the president of the Maine chiefs of police association for the state of maine basically what that is is you represent the state of Maine in the country, around the country, Um, you represent the state of Maine and all the chiefs for one year, you work your way up, there's there's, um, chairs that you fill for four or five years before you get to that. So I did represent the state throughout the country for so that one year as, as the president of the Maine chiefs in 2017.
0: Again, outstanding um, reflecting on, on, on Bucksport, reflecting on the, yeah. the respect that they have for you in the state of Maine. So.
1: Yeah. I get to know a lot of good people in that year for sure. I'm still friends with John Mina, who was the Orlando chief of police. And I was a sheriff down there and stuff. And we still talk and just the, just being with people and talking with people and,
0: and making new friends. I mean, it's just all over the country was, it was a great year for me for sure. And I'm sure that it's part of part of the networking piece of that is that, you know, you're able to reach out when you've got an issue, you you've got a question, you're able to reach out to these people that you've been able to connect with through that association. hundred
1: percent, hundred percent true that you can reach to someone all over the country. Really. I could call him this evening and chat with him. So for sure, he's the one that was in the the uh, Pulse night nightclub shootings. He was in charge of that and stuff, unfortunately, and we we discussed that quite a bit. So,
0: it, and then uh, so we fast forward a little bit, a uh, few years. What was it? Ten years in between? How many years between the, the becoming the chief and then becoming the uh, the change in the public safety director? yeah it went twelve
1: twelve on the road, eight is second command, then 10 is chief,
0: so as chief, so from yeah. you ten years as chief, and now you're the the public safety director in a in a new model, which as I understand it, is something that a lot of communities are doing where you're in charge of both fire e m s and police
1: yeah there i think there's five or six around right now. I know that I believe Winslow was looking at it also at this point um Basically, what it is, is being in charge of the police, fire, ambulance, rescue, the communications center, the animal control department, and the animal shelter. So you kind of got got both sides of the building there. in the
0: animal shelter in there under yeah. <laughs> other duties. As People assigned. don't think of that, but that's a busy little place. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a very busy place. <laughs> and so, you know, that's obviously changed. Is it? has it energized you over the last number of years? You, you know, you think, all right, I'm at the tail end of my career or yeah. sort of uh, now I'm taking on even a bigger responsibility, but you're, you seem to be, uh, enjoying it. And...
1: Yeah. Everything is, is lined up perfectly. It really has with, with the town. Um, it's happened. Everything for me here has happened just at the right time. I mean, after 12 years on the road, um, I was ready for a change. Um, <laughs> I really was. And then that, that opportunity came up. And then after eight years of being the patrol supervisor and doing all the major crimes and the child abuse crimes and things of that nature, after eight years, I, I said, you know, I've got 20 years in now and after eight years of that, um, that was probably enough of that. I, I enjoyed the work. I didn't enjoy the cases that I dealt with, but I, I really like solving the cases for the victims and, and getting prosecution for the victims and things of that nature. But it, it grows on you after a while. So after that eight years and the chief got done, the goal that I had set on day one was was in front of me to win or lose. And at that point, I I got that job. And after 10 years of that, I was honestly ready. I had, uh, what was at 30 years in at that point. And I said, you know, it's, it's probably time to start looking at something else. And then things changed over. And I said, you know, I'll do this for – if i get the job i'll do it for 3 to 5 years and and see where i'm at and the first 3 years have gone by very very quickly so what's
0: what's three different years into
1: it, and i enjoy it yeah. it's a challenge yeah
0: i was going to say what's what's uh, what's it's got to be quite a bit different um you're looking at a bigger organization yeah. uh, more demands and different uh you know, different challenges? What? what are yeah, some of you hit the-
1: it on the head. It's just it's different every day with, uh, meet with the fire department and their employees every morning, try to meet with the police department and then I'll meet with the deputy chiefs that run each section. Uh, usually every morning if things aren't frantic and it just never, you go from one thing to the other. Before it was just the police side of things and you deal with that and then just go about your day with the police side. But now when that kind of, it never it never it's like a light switch turned on. It it never turns off because uh-huh. it's always something going on from one side to the other. Um and it's been hiring really and turnover and things like that. And on the administrative part of it is very, very demanding to keep up, like we talked about earlier, to keep enough people to to serve the citizens the way we should. And on the other hand, the daily events that we deal with on both sides of the building. So never before with the police side of things, you might have a little bit of downtime, but now when my downtime starts to hit, it's time to switch gears and switch over to the other side of the building and, and help them out. So it really is a rotation that just never ends.
0: And we right. talked about, so we talked about the challenges of the job, uh, both physically, mentally, it can be a grind, the types of crimes you see it can be really mentally uh, draining and wearing and and. And at the same time, I read a statistic where the struggling across the country filling law enforcement positions is that that is what you were just mentioning about the challenges yeah. of hiring and staffing?
1: It, it is it. Um, I can't remember the exact figure, but I bet it's upwards of a couple of hundred open positions in the state of Maine right now, and just people aren't it's not like it was in the old days where. You'd have, you know, 100 applicants for a job that wanted to be a police officer. It's changed quite a bit, and there's a number of reasons for that. I think um, there just there's a number of reasons why people don't want to do it. But it um, it's very important, I think, and this is something that I'm starting this year, is the wellness of, of your people. And as a leader, you really need to, from my experiences and looking at what we just talked about and the stresses of, of the positions of the people with the boots on the ground, you really as a leader have to look out for their wellness. This is they they see things every day that the normal person shouldn't see. It's just mm-hmm. plain and simple. They just do and and to think when I first started and way back it wasn't we didn't have debriefings and things of that nature. It just wasn't a thing that they did. So you never really got to deal with the stresses. You just went on to the next call and, and dealt with that one and kept going. But this coming year, we're actually I'm starting a wellness program um, for both sides of the building so that they can actually talk to someone online. It's not a psychologist appointment or anything like that. They just talk to someone online via Zoom once a year for an hour uh-huh. about what's going on, who they are, what they've been through, where they're headed, things of that nature. And if they need help after that, then they can certainly get the help and no one will know it besides me. Uh-huh. So, And I'm actually going to be the first one to meet with the people. And, and you're going to see this start um, all over the state, I think, yeah, just, because we really, really need to you to look out for the wellness of, of the people with the boots on the ground because, I mean, they're really the heartbeat. the Mm -hmm. whole thing and they're out there saving lives and helping people every single day so if they're not operating with a full tank of gas and you're really going to look at it and and fill up the tank for sure
0: absolutely that's that's an outstanding program and i know uh, a lot of corporations do that um, and i can't think of any place you know the military any place probably more needed than law enforcement to have that kind of a program in place uh, yeah, I'm awesome. actually
1: going to do it for the police, fire, ambulance, and the communications. The whole, the whole communications. Yeah, Great. yeah.
0: Well, uh, it's, you just had a tremendous career in that side of it, and I don't want to shortchange by leaving that, but I also want to let people know uh, that other side of your leadership uh role is has been of what it's been over the, the number of years and that's in in coaching and uh both football uh unified basketball what else have you been involved with on the um it's really i've been
1: in, of course with my kids growing up I, I never really they played soccer for a little bit but youth football i actually started um, with youth football in Bangor um, when I was up there going to college. And then I did one year with um, Stephen Addestein at Bangor High School with the varsity program. Then I moved down here and went to the Pop Warner program in Bucksport. Moved on from there and went to the middle school as an assistant coach. Then I got the head coach job at, at the middle school and moved on to assist a little bit um, at the high school. And then I got done with the middle school and went to the high school full time for. I think it's got to be going on 23 years now, at least, that I've been with the high school. So,
0: and now uh, this year, you were just named the the head coach at Bucksport High correct. School. That's correct. Congratulations. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> well that. De- well, well
0: deserved. And and I know you're yeah. also. I will mention you're also. I think on the board of the uh, Down East YMCA, right? Um,
1: I am. Yep, represent- I'm on the board of directors yeah. for them and their finance um, committee also.
0: So, what what similarities, if any, do you find in leading young men? I mean, obviously they're they're in school, and the the, the people you're leading in in the law enforcement area are adults. But what similarities in in leadership uh, philosophy do you do you carry to both? Any, uh, it
1: it really has a lot to do with discipline, Rob, and. Trying to teach them about life aspects and that life isn't easy. Um, And you can make, you got to make a lot of, you got to work hard, number one. Um, You got to believe in what you do and that life isn't easy and it's going to have a lot of bumps in the roads. And I think football and sports in general for youth, no matter what it is, really teaches a life lesson to them that, you know, life isn't easy and you really got to commit and work hard to achieve your goals and some days you're going to win and some days you're going to lose but the next day you just got to get up and keep on going at it. So I mean I've always had a passion for football. I remember way back when my dad coached at Bangor High School, with Jerry Hodge and Norris Nickerson and Gabby was was an incoming coach at that point. I just remember as a kid being with them way back when, when the McCarty brothers were there and Bruce Redman and a bunch of guys that I still see to this day and talk to that when I was just a little guy and it's just a sport that, that I've, I think teaches a lot of life lessons and I enjoy preparing young men and women at this point, cause we've had some good females play the game for mm-hmm. us also to, for what they're about to endeavor once they, they get out into the real world. And I'm just hoping that, they take some of it with them and, and and remember the hard knocks part of it, and just to keep getting up the next day and, and going at it.
0: Um, you know, that's the thing that always, you know, I'm I'm I like you. I played three sports, and and I probably enjoyed baseball after after school more and American Legion ball than I did during school because it was always so cold when we were playing. Yeah. But I think football itself it, it it's the ultimate team sport i mean it it really is that in in if it's something that translates into the work any workforce any organization it
1: does as a team yes correct yeah.
0: And yeah so uh yeah i can see that that probably uh i can see your passion with it when i when i've watched you you have passion for that and i can see it probably translates over to um the you know your your real job uh, and vice versa, back and forth, because uh, you demonstrate passion in both.
1: Yeah, it's certainly something that I have a passion for. And I uh, just, uh, the kids in the town of Bucksport are unique. I love each and every one of them. And I just, I truly, the game of football is just that. It's it's a game and it's competitive and it's fun and all that. But I truly want them to learn life lessons. Um, so when they get out that they're successful, there's nothing more gratifying and hearing about someone getting getting a promotion at work that that played for you 15 years ago or whatever or getting a hold of your emailing you on the promotion and stuff just successful and on the other hand some of them that are having hard times and stuff i still talk to mm-hmm. i tell them all when they the senior night the last night of the, the year at, at the buck dome we call it listen if you ever need anything Reach out because I'm here. And, and some of them really do that to this day. I mean, 20 some years later, I still have some kids getting older. So it's
0: great. Well, you know, my dad, uh, as you know, my dad was a coach here and uh, he has guys stop by. He had a guy that he coached in 1966. He's been stopping by every summer to say hi to That's him. It's awesome. Let him yeah. know. So the impact you have, as you mentioned, the impact you have on these young people is, is going to you something you'll, you'll see coming back to you many many years after and you're already seeing it as you just mentioned right yeah well sean i got i think i have one more question and it's uh really what keeps you up at night and your keeps me up at night and your role as a leader for buck sport uh
1: in the position i'm in rob what keeps me up at night is the is really the the people that i have working for me um Just hoping that they're okay and safe and every call that they go on. I'm I'm not a micromanager at all, but I, I get every call on my phone. And I'm up, you know, off and on. I'm up most of the night. I mean, when I say every call, I'm not micromanaging the people, but I get... I've set it up this way. My deputy chiefs think I'm crazy, but I care about my people, mm-hmm. and I want to know that they're okay. And I don't want the phone to ring with the dispatch and telling me something's wrong. I want to know about it already so I can be prepared and, and get there when I need to get there. So, it's really that my pe- my people that, that work for me are safe um, on a nightly basis. And every time that the phone it doesn't ring, but it lights up, and I, I look at every call whether it's a traffic stop or an ambulance run. Fire calls, I'll go into bad accidents, I'll go into. But really, what keeps me up at night is just just wondering and hoping and praying that that everyone that's working the shift that night is safe and goes home the next morning.
0: Well, I I don't think uh, you could have said it any better than that. And I hope uh, people that listen to this will will take time to thank our our public servants in in any of the capacities that they're in, and and can maybe have after listening to this have a little better understanding of what what the type of work they do is, is really about. And, uh, and just thank them uh, going forward. Well, Sean, I I really appreciate the time. Uh, You know, I've known you a long time and in both in, in a professional capacity, when I saw you, your work from the town council perspective, but also, also as a friend and coaching my kids. And I just want to say uh, thank you for being part of this community and for, uh, giving you and your family giving up so much to to help keep us safe and also help our young people grow and develop in the uh, in the sports you've been involved with with coaching well thank you robin i appreciate you having me on well this has been another podcast thanks for joining us and uh, i look forward to seeing you in the near future and talking with you about uh, other leadership topics